Blog Talk Radio. It's that time again. Time for some real talk about real issues to enhance your real life. Whatever you think, whatever you know, whatever you feel, Tanya doesn't mind talking about it. Get ready for some talk that is always rated to R. Because talk with Tanya has got to be relevant. Talk with Tanya has got to be refreshing. But most importantly, talk with Tanya has got to be real. Tune in right now for real talk with Tanya White.
to the Real Talk with Tanya White show. I am your host, Tanya White, and I am excited. This is one of the most bestest, goodest months that I love. It is Women's Month, and all this month the show is going to empower, inspire, heal, deliver, and set free not just my sisters, but anyone who listens, man, teenager, Anyone who listens to these shows, you're going to be He'll Deliver Set Free. Tonight, we're talking about little girl drama births woman. Let me get it together. Little girl trauma births woman drama. And so it's going to be a very impactful show, very sensitive issues. But the truth is going to be spoken with power and authority. And we're going to heal and break what? Like the song said, we're going to break the cycles tonight. Cycles of shame, cycles of uh, guilt, cycles of being a victim, cycles of thinking that what what you experienced in your childhood was your fault. The devil is a lie. So we're going to break some cycles tonight. I've been praying. Everybody been praying. I've been excited because this issue of trauma that is unaddressed and unresolved and how it uh, migrates into your adulthood is very serious, very true. We have people committing homicide, suicide, living in lives of depression, cycles of depression. And if you think of a cycle, if you go into a cycling class, you know what it is when you're living in cycles. All you're doing is peddling, peddling, and going nowhere. You might be excited, the environment might be contagious, but you're cycling and going nowhere. That's what happens when you're living in a cycle of shame, guilt, um, and everything else that is keeping you stuck in a rut. So tonight we have three dynamic, triumphant ladies who have experienced uh, a lot of little girl uh, trauma, but they have the power and the authority now to know that what happened to them is not who they are. They, it took some years, yes, and some struggles and some prayers to for them to get to where they are now, to speak about it and to encourage others. But I promise you, uh, each one will tell you that they've learned something. Uh, God has uh, given them courage, and he has healed them. And so I am excited for them to share their story. And the best thing about it is, that they don't they don't know each other, but they share similar backgrounds, and we'll talk about that later. But I want to welcome everyone who is first-time listeners to the show. Welcome to the Real Talk with Tanya White show. We are on every Tuesday night on Blog Talk from 8 until 9.30, uh, and we talk about real issues uh, to enhance your real life. Real talk about real issues to enhance your real life. So every guest, every topic is one that strikes a chord gives you strategies and solutions to live your absolute best life. And so I encourage you, if you're a first-time listener, continue to listen. Uh, connect uh Real Talk with Tanya White. You can go down if you're listening and you're connected to one of the guests. I am their friend, so befriend me on Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram. Um, and then check us out every Tuesday at 8 p.m. So let's get this show started um, like I said, this is a show that is going to heal, deliver, set free. We're going to talk. Uh, we probably end up in prayers. Uh, somebody might be speaking in tongues, and that's okay because God is going to speak through these mighty women of God um, about what they did uh, to get to where they are. And then in the closing hour, 9 o'clock, we're going to have the marvelous minister Cassandra Gray of Shelbyville. Uh, she is a uh, the owner of Creative Spirits, who takes not only faith 
seriously, but faith aligned with professional counseling because she knows the power of not only uh, having faith, but having somebody help you fix your issues and get through your issues. So that is going to be powerful too. So let's bring on our first lady. Uh, I just love it because all all these sisters tonight represent the chocolate melanin. Okay, I can I love it because you know we was ignored for a long time, but now it's coming back. Chocolate. Let me go to Dallas, Miss Shonda Amy. I tell you, I met Shonda Amy last July. July 2018 at the RUN conference in Dallas. Uh, And what I noticed about her was a quiet strength of beauty. Uh, And I just connected with her. First of all, she is gorgeous. Her smile is contagious. And then when she speaks, she speaks with such soft yet uh, strong confidence. And uh, just her presence is one of calming. And so just watching her and hearing her story about how she got restored to fitness in her own life and how that is her company now. And then I caught her on a show uh, talking about her story of trauma and things that happened to her uh, in her adulthood, and I was very intrigued. And so I am so excited to have her on. I'm going to bring her on first. She's going to introduce herself, and then we're going to uh, let her flow. So welcome to the Real Talk with Tanya White Show. Miss Shonda, how you doing? Hi, Tanya. How are you? I am excited and just so appreciative that you uh, are coming on the show uh, and going to pour out so wonderfully tonight. Thank you so much, my sister. Oh, thank you. I am just honored to be here and to be a part of such strong women and who has overcame so many obstacles that people thought that we couldn't do, but only with the help of God was it a, was I able. Mm-hmm. So listen, I know they already hear the power in your voice. I want you to <laughs> tell us briefly, our audience, who you are, uh, and then we're going to roll right into it, and then we're going to start bringing on the other sisters. So tell us who you Good are. Yes, my name is Shonda Amy, and I am the owner, founder of Restored to Fitness. I am a personal trainer, and I live in Fort Worth, Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas. Woohoo, Dallas! Yes, Dallas. Yes. Now, yes. Shonda Amy, you—I want people to go to RestoredToFitness.com to check out yes. who you are and what services you yes. offer. But tonight, we're going to get a little insight into your life and the struggles and then the the triumphs that you you, you are standing in now. Tell us a little about uh, the little girl trauma that uh, impacted your life. Wow, Tanya, I speak about it everywhere. My mom left me at the age of nine. Uh, I was molested at 10. I was raped at the age of 11. And uh, I turned to the streets. Um, for that, um, for that, somewhere to feel like I belong. Uh, without a mother, I was at the age to where a young girl needs her mother at that age, if no other age, and my mother was wasn't there. So I turned to drugs and prostitution, and uh, and uh, it just had a grip on me uh, mm-hmm. for for years. And you know, desperate times bring desperate situations. So uh, you know, yes, yes. So. Um, it was it was it was a it was a nightmare. Um, it was just you know I did not care uh, when my mom came back. The damage was done. 
You know, mm. I, I, it, it was, it was, there was no, you know, I, I, I've read before childhood drama, child, childhood trauma brings about adult drama. And mm-hmm. so that's all I've ever known was, uh, you know, ways and means to, uh, to live that, to live that lifestyle. I knew no other life, uh, yeah. for, for over 20 something years was drugs, just drugs and prostitution. I had no idea. I didn't even think something, um, of the, of that lifestyle, I didn't. I, I I couldn't even fathom it being possible for me to live any other way. Mhm. Oh, yeah. and I love what you so, said. You couldn't fathom it. So that leads us to what environment? You said your mom left you. So who who was your the people responsible for raising you after your mom left? Who who did you stay with? Well, uh, everyone. My father was an alcoholic. Uh, mm-hmm. My mother left not from rejection but protection from my father. Uh, mm-hmm. My father was very abusive. My mother left at 3 o'clock in the morning uh, to escape from my father, came back three years later, and the community and everyone knew there wasn't a guardian in my household. So they mm-hmm. just took advantage of a little girl without her mother being asked, without her uh, mother being around, and her father wasn't there either. So I practically raised my, the streets raised me, Tanya. Mm-hmm. The streets raised me, and when they were done, they spit me out, mm. you know. And 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 so um, it, it just went on and on and on. And uh, in the midst of that, I had children that was taken from me, um, I wasn't capable of keeping children. I wasn't capable of keeping myself. Right. So, um, and, and so uh, is the little girl uh, that was like in, in, in the wilderness mm-hmm. um, with, with some real live beasts. And yes. so uh, that's where it all started um, when I was a child. You know, I never would have thought. And the bad thing about it, Tanya, no one told me where my mother was. She came back mm. three years later, uh, three years too late. You know, um, yeah. I was acting out. Um, I had, I was so resentful. I was very angry with just mm-hmm. the world, really hurt. Right. I did not understand. And to see the other kids with their mom and their father, and and uh, my grandmother was there, but it was so many of us. You mm-hmm. know, it was just she. But today, I know Tanya. She did the best she could. Best you she know, could. I did the work. I understand. I've gotten some healing. And so I know, and see, that stuff I, I had suppressed yes. of what had happened to me for so long. And so whenever I thought about it, I would put some dope or a trick on top of it. Mm. So that was just numb it just for a little while. And that yeah. was, it turned into an all day, every day, you know, um, lifestyle. And so, um, you know, it was just, it was, it was just. It, it, I know today, but see, because I normalize dysfunction. Yeah, you say that again, Shonda, Amy. You were I normalize dysfunction. That was normal to me, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. Abnormal to me is the life I live today. But everything mm-hmm. that I did back there, I mean, I didn't think that that I, I just thought that was the way people live, you know. Old men slept with little girls. Uh, mm. Mother wasn't there. Grandmother. Uh, uh, did the best she could, and uh, 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 that's just how, uh, for years, yes. you know, I thought everyone else was different, not me. So you're you're a little girl, you're growing up, you're a teenager, you're, 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 you normal, like, like you said, you normalize dysfunction, so you're, you're high school, did you graduate from high school? 
I did do that, but I went okay. to a pregnancy high school. I did that. Thank God I did that. But, mm-hmm. see, I would go anywhere just to escape from the life that, 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 wow. that we called home back then. So mm-hmm. school, I knew I was going to get a meal, you know. Yeah. Uh, that wasn't really nothing to do at home because no one was there. So, yeah, I would get up and go to school. But if I didn't go to school, the, the counselors and everything would be there until they reported how we were living and yeah. so uh, CPS and everybody stepped in. They found out that uh, that these children had no Gordian um, mm-hmm. on a consistent basis. But, yes, only way I graduated high school is because I was pregnant and there was nothing else for me to do. So right. um, I, 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 just, I just kept going, and, and I finally got my credits, and I graduated, and I quit right after that and went cool. back to the drug use. Quit. I quit. So what – after you I graduated, that school I was your safety out. net. Yeah, school was it your was. safety net. After you graduated, like you said, you normalized this function. So you you didn't have any models of life after that high school, correct? No, the role models to me, Tanya, were prostitutes and pimps. Okay, so Those and that's were my how role you got, models. and that's how you got into prostitution. How long were you in uh, on drugs and, and prostitution? Uh, well, um, I was I was on drugs for a good 25 years. Uh, the d- prostitution didn't come into later after the desperation. Um, mm. uh, you know, like I said, desperate um, desperate times bring steps, desperate measures, and uh, and I really didn't even know that's what I was doing until they got to the point to where I would find myself uh, three four o'clock in the morning. Um, walking on a track or flagging down cars. Wow. Just to feed my drug habit, yes, just to feed my drug habit. Nothing else, not to feed me, not uh-huh. to bathe, not to eat, just to feed that demon that was inside of me that would not let me sleep, would, would tell me what to do. My, drug, my mm. drug use told me when to get up, when to go to sleep, when to steal from my mother, when I mean, it told me wow. it dictated my whole. It dictated my life every day. Wow! If you're just joining Real Talk with Tanya White, we're talking to the sensational Shonda Amy from Dallas Fort Worth, and she's talking about the trauma that she experienced. Mother left, uh, left alone with a father who was uh, he was an alcoholic, correct? Or he was an alcoholic? Yes, he was an alcoholic, very abusive. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so Womanizer. all that drama. Mhm. Mm-hmm. So you got you neglected, molested, raped, led you to prostitution, drugs, all before the age of really a, a womanhood, where you could really oh, get absolutely. into absolutely. who you are. And so, absolutely. Shonda, we're gonna bring on the next sister, and who similar background. I met, I heard first heard this sister uh, speak uh, at a church I was vin- uh, a book vendor at, and just her story of. What happened to her when she was 14? And I'm going to let her tell mm-hmm. you. But uh, I call her Lady Gwendolyn McCormick because she just such, just her, her execution, how she uh, interacts with people is just a lady uh, per excellence. So we're going to bring her on, and she's going to tell her, us uh, and share with us her drama. Welcome, Lady Gwendolyn. How are you? Hi. I'm good. How are you? All righty. Uh, we are, you know, Shonda Amy just, shared her story, uh, and we are ready for you to share yours. But before you get into your story, tell our audience who you are, uh, and then you can flow on. 
Okay. First, I want to say y'all had me, Shonda had me over here shouting, so I'm glad you had me on mute. <laughs> so <y'all laughs> <wouldn't have heard laughs> me. It's going to be some amazing <laughs> story. It's going to be some. <laughs> amazing <laughs> story. But um, my name is Gwendolyn McCormick, and I live in Louisville, Kentucky. I'm a business owner. I have my own life insurance agency. Uh, I'm a mentor. I'm an intercessor. I'm a teacher in the fivefold, and I'm an itinerant minister. I'm just an all-out ambassador for Christ, to keep it honest. And I travel this country teaching and preaching at churches and women's conferences. Yes, she does. And you can hear her voice of power. Uh, and so, Gwendolyn, let's let's talk about your uh, your little girl trauma. Uh, like I told our audience, I first when I first heard you at uh, forgot what church it was in May. Uh, and then your story of just your 14-year-old little girl. And when you were telling that story, I automatically went to my life as a 14-year-old girl who had a life that was totally opposite of yours. And what I started to do was weep for the 14-year-old girl that you was talking about that happened in your life because my life was totally different. So tell our audience and share with our audience the trauma that you experienced. Yes, so when I was 14 and a half years old, I was set up by this boy. I thought he liked me, so um, I was set up by him to be gang raped by some of his family members. And it was like, I lost count at like seven, but these were Mm -hmm. all grown men. They were like from in their mid to late 20s. And they took turns raping and sodomizing me one after the other. And the, the boy, he was older than I was, and we... We never had sex. I was still a virgin. For some reason, I did. I say this all the time, but I thought Prince or Michael Jackson was going to be the first. But I ended up being I ended up being gang raped by these boys. Mm-hmm. And from it's- that from that rape from that rape, I ended up pregnant. And from the pregnancy, um, I ended up. My mom, she was like, "You've been having sex, but." How can I tell her that I actually haven't been having sex, that I was raped? And I was mm-hmm. afraid to tell her because this family, I grew up in the projects and projects called Southwick. And so this family who did this to me, they were known drug dealers. They was a big family. And I knew my dad would get killed trying to, you know, trying to defend me. I knew it would be all bad for my family and probably for some of theirs too. But I chose to hold that rape in as a secret. I chose not to tell anybody about that rape. And so I didn't tell my mother, and so she gave me an option to get an abortion. And I had no idea what an abortion was. All I knew is that I wasn't going to, you know, have to raise no baby. Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't even know whose baby it would be. But um, I got this abortion. And when I got home from the abortion clinic, um, I learned about demonic spirits at a young age mm-hmm. because um, they would counsel me like with suicide. So from the rape and the abortion, I became suicidal. And Mm -hmm. suicide began to coach me and talk to me and tell me how to commit suicide, and I tried it many times. But it was like after the gang rape and the abortion, it was like it opened up a whole new world of a a whole, just whole darkness. It's like I literally changed. And Mm -hmm. that rape and that abortion just opened up something that, my little fourteen-year-old self was just not able to handle. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so again, if you just joined uh, Real Talk with Tanya White, we're talking about little girl trauma. 
first woman drama. And uh, Gwendolyn, you said these gentlemen, uh, you were set up to be raped by somebody, mm-hmm. uh, a little boy that you knew. But the the gentlemen who raped you were much older. They were men. You yeah. were a little girl. Yeah. And um, that opened you up, like you said, to uh, a lot of demonic spirits. Um, can you or would you, do you feel like uh, expanding on that, the connection between the abortion and uh, how it furthered, uh, you know, the trauma that you experienced? I think the abortion added to it because shortly after the abortion, I came to know what I actually did. I came mm-hmm. to know that I actually murdered my child at the um, Planned Parenthood. She was like, well, it's not even a baby. You know, it don't even have no heartbeat. I, I mm-hmm. you know, I, I, they told me wrong. And then I found out later, shortly, that, you know, that it was murder that had actually killed my child. And mm-hmm. so it, it didn't sit well with me. And so it started literally, I started having a mental breakdown. Mm-hmm. Um, I became suicidal. Uh, I tried to kill myself. My mom walked in while I had her pills, mm-hmm. and um, I was in the process of taking her pills, and she walked in while I was doing that, and I ended up in a mental institution behind that. So mm-hmm. from the rape, the pregnancy, the abortion, I ended up in a mental institution. And even in the mental institution, I didn't tell them that I was gang raped because I was still so afraid. But wow. I just talked about the abortion, yeah. And how it made me feel. And, you know, the sad part about that is is when I got out and I would walk the neighborhood, um, my friends, I lost all my friends because the guys who raped me said that um, I was a freak and I, like, trains ran on me. And they mm-hmm. were saying that they ran a train on me. But my problem is you are grown men and you're in your 20s. Um, mm-hmm. why, why would you even think this is acceptable, you know, for you to even say that you ran a train on a 14-year-old, you know, how even is that, yeah, and I began to kind of, um, I want to say, I began to kind of get angry with my village, because the village heard the rumors, they heard what was going on. They yes. knew, but nobody said anything. Nobody Nothing. asked me, are you okay? Nobody even came to my mother anything. I got teased so bad. I got bullied so bad to where I couldn't even walk the streets, and I literally ended up dropping out of school because mm. I was getting teased on the bus. And mm. I tell you, the word of God is so powerful because the words that they spoke over me literally mm. began to manifest. So I became those things that they called me. I became promiscuous. Um mm. And from that promiscuous, I ended up being a stripper. And mm-hmm. so I get into the whole world of adult entertainment. And I was a stripper for almost 20 years. Mm-hmm. And even in the stripping, my whole, it would just go from one level to the next. And the strange mm-hmm. thing is, I was having these relationships with these demonic spirits. They had their own names. Suicide was a, a spirit. It had its own name. Masturbation was a spirit. It had its mm-hmm. own name. So I began to know these these spirits. So anyway, um, stripping. I would always say, well, I'm not gonna, um, I'm not gonna sell my body for sex because my friend, she was like, you know, it's these guys. They want us, you know, they want to pay us five hundred dollars for some sex after the club, after you know, after the club closed. I'm like, I ain't doing that. I ended up not doing it that night, but you know what? The two women that they ended up taking home ended up robbed and murdered and mm. stuffed in the back of their trunk. Ooh. Mm-hmm. And 
Jesus. That's in the back of their trunk. But, you know, the crazy part is about that, I still kept saying I wasn't going to do it, and it wasn't even three weeks later where I was all in. I was prostituting. Mm. Wow. wow. Dripping. I, I, I want to go back to what you said. Yeah, Gwendolyn, I want to go back to what you said. You struck a chord because I was just thinking I was going to ask that. You said you got mad at your village because they knew the truth, mm-hmm. but they yeah. they were perpetuating the lies that the 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 that uh, popular family was saying. So mm-hmm. how did that? And, and Shonda, you probably you probably felt the same way. Your mother left. Nope. You said nobody told. Told you that uh, where she was. Were you mad at mm-hmm. your village also? So I was how mad. Did they... Go ahead. Go ahead, Tanya. I'm sorry. No, I'm a, I, I, I was I'm very a... upset with them because they would always look at me real funny and call me fat. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, I was oh that oh she's so fat she's just gonna be so I I love what Gwendolyn said. I was just what they told me to be. You know, mm-hmm. they I, I was everything that. If, if, uh, I, I was everything that people said that I was. Uh-huh. Those words and, 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 and I loved it because at least I got some attention. Even though, Tanya, mm-hmm. it was negative, I got some attention. You know? yes. So I would live up to it. I would live oh, up to yes. it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, mm-hmm. so I so when You said you, first you was like, I'm not going into prostitution, but you said three weeks later. He was all mm-hmm. in. Yep. So, mm-hmm. so what? So what? What was it? As you reflect now, um, was really you know said okay, let me go and try it. The money. It's okay. like the mm-hmm. more money you make, the more money you want, the more money you mm-hmm. need, the more money you just you just it's just for the money. Mm-hmm. And in those clubs, I was dancing in the top notch black clubs, so. Our clientele were um, very rich drug dealers, um, basketball and football, NBA players, um, you know, rappers and stuff. So we had some very high-end clientele and very high-end customers, and it just sort of seemed more appealing because the regular guys, they'd be like, well, look, the regular guys, they only pay you 500 but the celebrities, they pay you 1500 so my mm-hmm. friends, they're making all this extra money, and I'm just going home with my strip clothes, right? Mm-hmm. And so I wanted mm-hmm. that extra money, too. They're like, it's fast, it's easy, and it just it just kept pulling me in. I would go from one level to the next to the next. And, uh, and Shonda said something very important. She said the attention. She just wanted the attention. And that re- when I got left in the um, mental institution, um, I felt rejected. I felt abandoned. And so in those things, it had me, like, seeking attention, needing I became so needy and showing my body and, and doing those types of things, those gave me that attention that I needed. Mm-hmm. And so I was all in from that point. I was all in from that point. All in. Mm-hmm. My goodness. Mm-hmm. Well, similar stories, different cities y'all never met. Uh, we're going to bring on mm-hmm. our third Woman of God, uh, Brenda Richmond Davis. She is the author of Taking Off the Mask, one of my favorite books right now. She's going to talk about what her trauma uh, as a little girl, uh, how it impacted her, and how it prompted her to share and write book of her book, Taking Off the Mask. Hello, Elder Brenda. How are you? I am wonderful, Women of God. I am honored. <laughs> 
Oh my goodness! I am listen. I t- yeah, ain't no telling why, how this show is getting ready to shift because we got all three of y'all on. Um, things are getting ready to happen. So, Elder Brenda Richmond Davis, author of one of my favorite books, introduce ourselves. You've been on. This is your second time being on here. Um, yes. But yes, introduce yes. yourself to our audience and then flow into your little girl trauma and how it impacted you. Well, I am over here blown away because we are three living, breathing, walking miracles. Um, yeah. Along with you, along with you, Tanya, of course. I mean, yeah. God is amazing. Um, mm. But I am Brenda Richmond Davis, and I was born and raised in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, as you said, I'm an elder at the um, All Nation Worship Assembly, Louisville. I am Woo-hoo. also an author. <laughs> and my, um, <laughs> I am also an author. And uh, the, uh, taking off the mask, coaching expert. I'm also the CEO of our family business, Matters of the Heart, Natural Products and Essential Oils, LLC, um, alongside my husband, who is the founder. His name is Jermaine Davis, so shout out to my amazing husband. Uh, people call us Mr. and Mrs. Smellgood. <laughs> that's, that's, that's Get that on a T-shirt, because that is the truth. Yes, right. not, only, not only smell good in the physical, but they pray and they, honey, you feel the anointing when you put on Matters of the Heart perfume. I just want to plug that right now. You feel you the anointing. Get yes, Hallelujah. Honey, get it, get it, get it. So, tell the Brenda. <laughs> Tell us about, because see, did I, did I not tell y'all y'all all had similar stories? This is no accident. Yes. And I met y'all at three yes. different intervals. Um, wow. But tell us about your little girl trauma. Okay. Well, honestly, it is very, it's very similar, as you said, and God did this. This is a setup for somebody to get healed, delivered, and set free. Mm-hmm. And um, basically, I had been... Um, you know, molested um, at a young age, and then um, witnessed abuse. Uh, my mom witnessed my mom being abused. Uh, I was the only child at the time, and so I already dealt with a lot of fear and I, a lot of anxiety. Didn't realize what it was. Didn't know what to call it at the time, but I just I always felt nervous. And then on top of that, uh, when I was twelve someone who I considered to be a friend. I went over her house and um <laughs> um her her cousins were there playing video games and basically I was set up as well. Um they mm. told me that my friend was upstairs uh and to mm. just go on up the steps. And so as I went up the steps, uh calling her name, looking for her, they I'll ended up upstairs. I didn't even hear them come up there. Uh, but by, by the time I turned around, they were up there. It was like five guys. And so uh, it, a lot went on, but four of them held me down while this one guy raped me. And so he took my virginity and uh, my innocence. He took the little self-esteem that I did have. Um, and that was a very pivotal point in, in life for me that um, I, I did not, you know, basically 
of course, they turned it around just just like Miss <laughs> Miss Gwendolyn said. They turned it around and basically spread rumors in the neighborhood and at the school because mm-hmm. they were prison mind. You know, they lived in the neighborhood. They went to school with me. They spread it around that I was a hoe, that I was a freak, mm-hmm. that I was this, that I was that, and um, so it just messed up my my name. It just messed up my mm-hmm. character. And um, I've dealt with a lot of bullying uh, as well and a lot of isolation and things of that nature and didn't really get to enjoy my years of being in middle school and our high school. Um, I also became very promiscuous. And um, now all this time I was in church, you know, I was Mm -hmm. in in the ministry at church from a very young age. Um, Mm -hmm. My mom, you know, was was a, a minister in church and, um, she's a single mom, so she was raising me by herself at the time. Thank God now I have an amazing relationship with my father. God heals things. He just heals things in relationships. But, you know, um, but at the time, I, you know, she was a single mom. And so I was in church, and uh, to be honest with you, um, I was a church girl. However, mm-hmm. I also had this, this other life where I was, you know, promiscuous, ended up becoming pregnant. Um, at the age of 13 with my first son and dealt with um, a lot of ridicule from different people, of course. And uh, within a year later, I was pregnant with my second child. Um, And then a year later from that, I was pregnant with my third child. Uh, Ended up, I was still in school, in high school, but um, things got really hard for me. You can imagine people making fun of me. Uh, I was also in a very abusive relationship, um, and because I didn't have any self-esteem, didn't know who I was, um, and I dealt with that for a long time, and ended up dropping out of high school. Um, I was a single mom of three. Mm-hmm. Eventually went back and ended up going to college and all of that, but at the time, I just couldn't deal with school. I, I had three babies. You know, mm-hmm. Well, I had two babies, and I was pregnant with with one at the time, um, but that's what caused me to drop out of school. It was just a whole lot, and um, just just really um, my self-esteem was ruined. And um, dealt with suicidal thoughts, you know. I actually tried to cut my wrist one day when I was 16, mm. and um, it's interesting that the guy who was actually abusive to me at the time he actually ran up the stairs and stopped me from cutting myself. And wow. uh but he didn't stop hitting on me. So mm-hmm. anyway, um I ended up having two more um children. So by the time I was twenty two I was a single mom of five kids. And mm-hmm. um still, you know, uh I had stopped going to church for a while but I had gotten back in church while I was nineteen. And um, just really, really, really had a rough, a rough, those years, those very vital, important years of when you're trying to find out who you are. Um, It was all uh, messed up and interrupted by um, the misuse, the abuse, you know, the rape, uh, the bullying, and all the different things that that I dealt with through that time. Yes, and uh, 11, Shonda was was raped. Uh, Gwendolyn, you was 14, Brenda, 12. All of that is at the most critical stages 
of developing yeah. um, your adolescence and which yeah to adulthood. So at that point, the the devil really was it was a demonic attack against all three of you all. Um, all and that so, yeah, and like like you all said, it opened up that that trauma, traumatic, the rape, the molestation, led you all to other things uh, that made you promiscuous, made you um, yeah. when you became a stripper. Shonda, you said you turned yeah. to drugs and uh, prostitution. So, and it all goes back to that one act. How in in when you said something that is really stirring in my spirit, you said you was mad at your village, the village, yeah. the the village that says you know it's supposed to be protected, the village who's mm-hmm. supposed to raise yeah. you, the village who is supposed to teach you right from wrong, the village. Brenda, mm-hmm. you said you was a church girl, I, and mm-hmm. that village didn't recognize what was mm-hmm. happening. To you. Mm, no. So let's let's. Uh, I gave y'all some questions. Nah, nah, I, ain't, nah. I, ain't, I ain't asked not one question that I sent y'all. <laughs> um, we don't talk about the village. The village because um, that's where the secrets. Yeah. Secrets. Yeah. Those 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 molesters, those predators, those people who raped you. That you probably wasn't the first one that they did mm-hmm. it to. And the oh, village I found knew. out later that they did, did someone in my family the exact same way, but I didn't find out until I was grown, and I told mm. her that it had happened to me. And come to find out, they, it wasn't the same boy that set her up. It was a different boy, but it was the same family. And so my I was like, well, goodness. what if it happened to me first, and I should have said something. It could have stopped her. Or if it happened to her first, and she would have said something, you know, it could have stopped yeah. it from happening to me. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Yeah. The the village. I'm I'm reading a book called Shifting Atmospheres by Donna De Silva. And this I read this today. Now I know why I read this. It says when people propagate partnerships with sins, ungodly atmosphere mm. spread. Soon entire cities and regions become spiritual cesspools from which the devil's armies can operate. The my, village. My, yeah. My. The village. Now, sister, you mm. all into something now. You all into something now. Girl, the village. What I came, <laughs> what I came to realize, village. my village, the village um, disappointed me throughout my whole life. Mm-hmm. Even when I came into the church, I was angry at my village because my village let me down, even in the church. And we always say the church is the hospital. The church mm-hmm. is supposed to be the hospital. So I go into the church. I wasn't raised in the church. But I go into the church, and that village, that hospital, mm-hmm. they ended up infecting me more because mm-hmm. the women didn't know how to treat me because I didn't know how to dress. I didn't know that church etiquette. So the women was looking at me and turning up their nose at me and throwing them the covers all over me and stuff. The the village, my pastor, he ended up pursuing me for a sexual relationship. So mm-hmm. my first eight years of salvation, I'm in and out of a sexual relationship with my pastor and I'm being uh, mistreated, left out, talked about by the women in the church. Mm. So the Shonda Amy, does that sound familiar? Oh, my God. You know, <laughs> I, I'm just trying to keep myself up. Uh, oh, my God. That's my, both of these amazing women are telling my story. You I know, know, I, I know. know her church. This ain't no accident. I first her into the teacher. church. Yes. I first I turned was, to the church, and, and he wanted to have private spirituals 
sections and 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 the leader of the church was a uh, uh was one of my main was one of the uh sexual abusers after I tried to get clean and after that happened my you know Lord. who else could I turn to so I just went back to what I was most comfortable with and that was the street mm. if I can't go in the church house and see when I walked in the church house I was told as a kid they say come as you are I didn't know how to mm-hmm. dress like nothing Tanya but a hoe so I uh-huh. love what she said because mm-hmm. they whispered about me they talked about me they mm-hmm. they came and they went no one would talk to me after the service mm. Mm. So, so the pastor saw how broken I was and took advantage mm-hmm. of it all. So. Yeah. Wow. And Elder yeah. 12 years old, yeah. 13 years old, pregnant, 14 pregnant, three kids by, yeah. between, but what, 18? The village. Yeah. Were you, were you angry, disappointed? What were your feelings towards your village? I was very shameful and embarrassed. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I must say that that since I was, you know, I must say that I did have um, the support of my village. However, um, the the women's ministry leader, um, mm-hmm. her name is actually Pastor Karen Owens, but at the time she was over the women's ministry. And although I was very young, I had been coming to the women's, you know, um, ministry Bible study and things, mm-hmm. and so. She really, um, along with my mom, she really took me under her wing. They really took mm-hmm. me under their wing. And um, I don't think the church had been really equipped, and I'm saying the mm-hmm. church in general, mm-hmm. at that time. And I and still to this day, a lot of churches are not uh, equipped to deal with these yeah. things. So they, mis- they mishandle it. They mishandle mm-hmm. the people, mm-hmm. and they mishandle the circumstances. And unfortunately, you know, that, you know, God is not pleased with that. So I think that as the church realizes that we have to um, we have to be actually Christ-like, we have to be real Christians and not mm-hmm. be judgmental when people are hurting and when they come in and they're broken yeah. and they don't yeah. know church etiquette, you know, they don't know how to dress like God you said. I mean, I had mm-hmm. one particular dress that I felt like was appropriate you know, for church, and one of the older ladies, you know, she, you know, she kind of embarrassed me one day and was like, "You need a slip," and I'm like, mm. "I didn't know what a slip was." I'm, I'm like, "You should be glad that I'm in the church." I mean, so <laughs> it just, it, you know, it just really, um, it just really, it was rough, and mm-hmm. I, I carried around a lot of shame, and I felt like that I could not possibly. Um, just let, you know, everybody know what I had been through. However, mm-hmm. I couldn't have it because I I was I had given birth, <laughs> you know, to, right. to three yeah. kids. So of course everybody just figured, well, she she she's hot, she's fast, she's right. just out here, you know, sleeping around and living a single life. But no nobody understood the hurt. the the why behind the the what, the yeah, why behind the what, and the root yeah. issues. And so. Like I said, I will say that I I, I did have um, a circle of people who were there for me, mm-hmm. and in a, and everything. But the church as a whole, as an entity, mm-hmm. um, at that time and still currently, a lot of times they're just not equipped with knowing how to handle these situations. Yeah, and and I love yeah. what you said, Brenda. Um, we have to be like Christ. Let me go back to 
Donna DeSilva's book. I don't. That's why the Lord had me read it. It said Jesus did not just come to grant salvation, though that uh, though that would have been enough for us to be eternally grateful. He also came to demonstrate powerful living. During Jesus's time on earth, he depicted God's kingdom on earth. The result. This resulted in the departure of sickness, disease, and torment. At the end of his ministry, he gave his life willingly to God's kingdom so God's kingdom could be fully established. So if we would act and live like Jesus, who came yes. to what? Demonstrate powerful living, then yes. as us, not just as a church, but as a family, I could discern yes. what my baby's going through. There's something just ain't mm-hmm. right. It ain't that she's fast. Mm-hmm. Some spirit has come mm-hmm. and attacked her and violated her before the village goes as a church. We got to start with the village in our family. So I want us, we got about 10 minutes. I'm going to take a break. I want you all to think about how now that you all have gone through the trauma, you all are healed and healing uh, because we are in continuous process of healing. How are you now? How are you being that village that uh, of uh, to support to to show love to do everything that you didn't get what are you doing now yeah. to do that we're going to take a quick uh break we're going to play some music as these mighty women of god meditate and, and see what thus said the lord we're going to listen to uh a little bit of lord would you want me to play let's yeah donald Lawrence right now we're going to listen to that he leads me beside still water. He restoreth my soul. When you become a believer, your spirit is made right. Sometimes, the soul doesn't get the notice. It has a hole in it. Due to things that's happened in the past, hurt, abuse, molestation. But we want to speak to you today and tell you... God wants to heal the hole in your soul. Some people's actions are not because their spirit is wrong, but it's because the past has left a hole in their soul. May this wisdom help you get over your past and remind you that God wants to heal the hole in your soul. I have my sister Leandria here. She's going to help me share this wisdom and tell this story. All I seem to do is hurt me, hurt me. Cause all I see to do is hurt me 
out there. Just repeat after me if you're struggling with your past and say, Let the Lord know. Just say, Oh. Oh my God, y'all making it. it 
I thank y'all for sharing. I thank you all for uh, uh, sharing your truth because, like we we, we was talking about, uh, and Elder Brenda, you said it. You said it so eloquently. The that people are not equipped to handle certain things, uh, and um, mm-hmm. and that is true. But now that we know that so many yeah. people are suffering, uh, we see it every yeah. day. Suicide is, is, is that if you don't if you're not recognizing the devil's really using suicide to take a lot of people out. Yeah. Uh, goodness, yeah. they they younger and younger, younger and younger, uh, and then it, it, it doesn't matter what how strong you are in the faith. Uh, pastors mm-hmm. are taking that lie, and so that is a, a demonic mm-hmm. spirit, and it and it all stems from some unaddressed hidden trauma that mm-hmm. you know because we came from. What happens in this house stays in this house. Well, if mm-hmm. the house ain't helping me, I'm about to lose my mind and I'm about to die. And so mm-hmm. and that could be your personal house. There's some abuse that's happening in corporate America on your job. They're stifling you. Yeah. I'm a living witness to that uh, happening in the church. Secrets will kill you. And when yeah. things, when you are being abused, people make it seem like you are the culprit. And that is mm-hmm. a lie. What is it? An illusion, Elder Brenda. What do we do with yes. illusions, Elder Brenda? Yeah. Annihilated. 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 Yes. Destroyed. Deception. A lie. You got to uh, annihilate means to kill. Totally yes. kill and destroy. And so totally that's what destroyed. we have to do with when people try to hush us up. Don't say that. Yes. Don't don't tell mm-hmm. people that. Or, or mm-hmm. they just totally ignore you um, as a tactic to break you down even more. And so, yeah. what I want, I, I ask you all to think about what you are doing to be a village of support and give men, women, and children what you didn't receive. Uh, Elder Brenda, you want to start? Sure. Um, First of all, I'm I'm grateful, um, hallelujah, that um, the enemy is being exposed. The enemy is being exposed. And um, one thing that I do to encourage people to come on out with those secrets and not try to stuff them because eventually they're going to manifest in some kind of way, um, the the, the effects of it will. I am... um, Doing well, I wrote my book, Taking Off the Mask: A Journey of Transparency, Healing, and Freedom to Be Who God Created You to Be. So, part of what I'm doing is sharing my story, and um, I'm very transparent with my story. But I'm also um, just sharing my my process of healing, how God has healed me, um, how um, me just standing on His Word, and actually going from religion to a relationship with Him has absolutely saved my life and transformed me. Instead of thinking I had to follow a whole bunch of rules and keep all my stuff to myself and act like I got everything perfectly and wear this mask, I'm just real and I'm transparent and I offer, you know, coaching and counseling and I mentor a lot of people uh, and cover a lot of people. And I'm just here for a lot of people that um, actually need someone who is who they could be real with, who they can be mm-hmm. transparent with mm-hmm. and not be judged, but that's going to love them through it, pray them through it, encourage them through it, and stand with them. And so um, that's one thing that my whole situation has done in my life. 
um, it has went from my mess to my message. And so I use the, that message to help other people. Amen. Uh, Shonda. Amen. Oh, my gosh. You know, first off, I had to call out for help. To, mm-hmm. to God. I, I just had to call out for help. And I remember when I was coming up, my mother told me, she said, if you don't know what, know anything else to say, just say, help me, Lord. And, um, mm-hmm. and so, you know, I realized that if I can't reveal it, if I couldn't reveal it, I couldn't heal it. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. so, so mm-hmm. the first thing I did, I traced it, I faced it, and I erased it. So yes, hallelujah. Yes, yes. That's, and so I, I began to get the healing, and they always come to me and giving me compliments, and you're amazing. I said, no, it's, I'm not amazing. It's my God is who was amazing. Yes. You know, I don't take, I don't, I, I don't take the credit for this. But you know, uh, my my business is called Restored uh, to Fitness. The restored is is for something that has been lost and now found. You know, I speak all over Texas at rehabs and 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 Salvation Armies and UGMs and and treatment facilities and hospitals and rape crisis centers, places where people don't want to come. You know, and yeah, let me tell you, yeah. ladies, this coming this year, I'll celebrate eight years clean off of clean being Hallelujah. clean off yes, 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 yes. prostitution. You know, Hallelujah. So, Yes, and so when I talk about it, I get loud and I get proud and I'm passionate about life, the life that I have today. I tell my friends, I say, sweetheart, I'll talk about it in a telephone booth, how good he is and how good he's been to me. It's just I can't contain it. I can't, I mean, it's just I never fathom the life that I have today. Never. I love it. So I go everywhere speaking about my recovery, speaking about rape, prostitution, domestic Mm. violence. I go, I have three engagements just this month to go out and speak and and I do it and I have sponsees and I have women that's up under me but I know never say up under me because there are no little eyes and big there's no big eyes and little eyes you know, we all in this together just trying to make it one day at a time and that's all I do. It's just I just give back what was so freely given to me. Amen. Praise God. Tanya, do you mind if I say something real quick? Go ahead. I'm sorry. Can I? Just real quick, real quick, because I'm over here just praise God, hallelujah. Um, I want to tell somebody that no matter what you've been through, God is able to turn your life around, mm-hmm. okay? Yes. Now, I said that I had five kids out of wedlock. Mm-hmm. Do you not know that now all of them are grown adults? And they are all powerful men and women of yes. God. Miss Tanya Amen. knows some of them. She knows three yes. of them. And they oh, and, wow. and God Amen. did that thing. But but not yes. only that, not only that, God sent me a man of God. I never thought mm. someone would want to marry me with a ready-made family. He sent me a man of God that took nah, me nah, nah. and my children, okay, and helped me yes. to raise them up in the fear and ammunition of the Lord. And now we are living our best life. I'm telling you, don't give up. Don't give yeah. up because yeah. there is life on the other side of your healing. Hallelujah. Yeah. I'm sorry. I had yeah. to say that. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. I love it. Thank you, yes. God. Hallelujah. Yes. Yes. Hallelujah. Thank you, mm. Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My God. My Lady, God. Lady Gwendolyn. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. So this is now my 11th year of salvation. I'm entering into my 11th year of salvation. And 
um, 11 years of being sober because when I quit dancing, I couldn't quit drinking, so I was a full-blown alcoholic. Um, mm-hmm. And so God just cleaned me up. He did a lot of things with me. And even I did my first eight years, my first eight years, I had sex with that pastor the first time two weeks after I was saved. And mm-hmm. so that on-again, off-again sexual sin cycle, uh, one thing my pastor always says is that the church is responsible for the down low. Ugh. He said the church is responsible for the down low because we make it hard mm-hmm. for people to mm-hmm. come out and say, hey, I'm struggling with sexual sin, or hey, I'm struggling yes. with sin. And so God's got me now in a place. I go to All Nations Worship Assembly in Chicago, and God moved me out of that church. This will be the third year since God has moved me out of that church. And since he's moved me out of that church, he's allowed the healing to take place. He's reintroducing me to himself. He's reintroducing me to the God of the Bible and just opening my eyes to a whole, whole world of stuff. And God is just pouring out his love on me. I mean, just putting so much love in me and on me, and I thank him for allowing me to go through what I went through because it taught me how not to treat people. And he's given me a heart for the strippers and for the prostitutes and for the abused because I've been in and out of abusive relationships. All of my relationships was abusive. And so he's just given me a heart for people to help them and not to judge them when they come into church and they don't know how to dress, but Talk to them and yeah. more have the love of God on them because we win the loss with with love and mercy, and mm-hmm. so I plan to just love the hell out of people. Yes, <laughs> right. Literally love the hell out of them. I yes. hid under under the cover of secret sin for so long, but now God got me and I'm able to share my story with a person because a lot of people look at me and they don't know that I was a stripper for 20 years. They don't know that I was in abusive relationships and they don't know that I was, you know, promiscuous and had abortions and, you know, was an alcoholic. They don't know. And so when I tell them my story and they look and they, they have hope for themselves and what they're in now don't seem so hard of a thing for God to do. And so I share my testimony. I mentor women, and I just love. I just love women. I love them, and I appreciate yes. them. And I, ooh, that's and what. Go finish. Uh, oh. And and that's 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 what I'm that's what I'm doing because yes. it wasn't done for me, and I wanted that. I needed that, and I don't want another woman to feel what I'm feeling. I've yes. had the rejection. I've had the hurt. I've had the abandonment. You don't want to feel that way in the church. And if it can stop with me, it's going to stop with me. It's going to stop. And what you all said is that you have a passion in the heart. And when you have a passion in the heart, especially the heart of Christ and the passion of Christ, that draws people, not not you. Yes. God is drawing That's people right. to you because he knows that you are going to pour into them like he does. And so mm-hmm. um, the word of God is so true. All things do work together. Uh, yes. The good, the bad, and the ugly And so it's working together for you women of God That's why I'm like I was so excited in, um, With this show I was like y'all need to meet Y'all just don't know yes. How similar your stories are And when uh, when The truth is spoken With, with power and authority uh, With no more shame uh, It's not about What happened or who did it? Mm-hmm. It's about what mm-hmm. you came through and the power that you have mm-hmm. now after mm-hmm. all the problems, all the pain, all the perpetrators that came and tried to what annihilate your destiny. But 
because mm-hmm. it's turned around, God is faithful and He is victorious. Now we're got we. I'm, I'm looking for Minister Gray. I hope she's online. I hope you all can stay mm-hmm. because she's a woman of God who is not only uh, combining faith with uh, healing, but also the the professional counseling part. Let's see if she is this Minister Gray. Is this Minister Gray? Nope. Let's see. We got a lot of people online, y'all. <laughs> Minister Gray? Minister Gray? Can you hear me? Yes. yes. Hello. Listen, thank you for being on. I know you're just going to come. Uh, we, we we run a little behind, but you know that's how we do when the, the truth is spoken. So you come right on in and put that faith with that the professional uh, counseling part and take us on in. Introduce yourself, Minister well, Gray. Hello, my name is Cassandra, uh, Reverend Cassandra Gray, and I am with Creative Spirits Behavioral Health. I am a therapist by trade and a CEO of our behavioral health uh, organization here in Kentucky, and I am elated. Everything that I've heard tonight, hearing mm-hmm. the healing, hearing what has happened to the to the women of, of God and how they were able to take back their lives and everything yes. that the enemy has tried to steal and, and kill and mm-hmm. destroy has just truly been a blessing. Just listening to you ladies tonight has, has really set my soul and my heart ablaze tonight, uh, understanding mm-hmm. that this thing called trauma, um, especially when we talk about with women, um, does present some unique challenges. And um, yeah. if we are, are, are prayerful and, and if we uh maintain and, and keep ourselves before the Lord, healing is possible and available to us. And so yes. I'm just excited about that. Um, I've been in therapy for the past 20-plus um, years, um, providing uh, substance abuse, domestic violence, uh, trauma, working with um, individuals, families, married couples, working in relationships. So I've been around for a while um, mm-hmm. providing uh, professional services, but there's nothing like the Spirit of the Lord when he Amen. comes in and us yes. in his deliverance and us in his, uh, his healing power, his anointing. Yes. Uh, I think I heard one of the sisters said restoration ministry, and mm-hmm. restoration is possible. Um, yes. And, you know, you can't restore anything that hasn't had power before, you know. Mm-hmm. So Amen. we understand that the enemy comes to try to steal, kill, and distort for us yep. the image that God has has created us in. That is his M.O. That's what he does. And he will try to use anything to to destroy what God has intended. And, and for us as women, we have so much purpose. Yes. God has given us so many assignments and so much creativity and the eyes to see, the spiritual eyes to deliver, the hands to lift up, and we have the ability to make sure anything that comes in the earth, God has given us the ability to nurture it, to take care of it, to make sure that it it accomplishes everything that he sent it to do. Um, And so our assignment is clear, and the enemy is mad about that. Uh He is mad. So he starts working on us early. You know, mm-hmm. trying to take us out and convince us, distort the vision that God has for us, distort the purpose that God yeah. has for us. And so 
I'm excited to be able to join in this conversation with you all on tonight. Well, thank you. I want to. I want you to touch on Reverend Gray. Uh, Elder uh, Brenda said something when she was going through. Uh, she had the support, but uh, they weren't uh, equipped to handle the magnitude of what happened to her. How do we equip not only the church because our schools need to be equipped, our, our businesses, our companies need to be equipped with how to handle un- trauma. Unfortunately, people just don't come mm-hmm. to work anymore. They don't. Uh, come to church and, and leave the prop. It's a lot that comes with. It's a lot of baggage, a lot of issues. How can we e- equip leaders in companies and even in our families and churches to mm-hmm. be more mindful on and, and uh, sensitive and educated on how to deal with trauma? One of the first things that we have to be able to recognize, and I, and I'm going to say this, and I, you know, we just might as well just say it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> when we start talking about trauma, um, there is a, a division um, as as um, we relate to trauma. There is uh, his story, and then there is her story. Oh, Lord. Um, there is his story that tries to, to define uh, trauma in a way um, that maligns, that uh, creates us as people that are starting trouble, you know, there's a, there's a, mm-hmm. a move um, that is against um, us already as, as women. Um, and so as we're trying to stand up and rise up, there's the, the push against, um, and that's his story. Um, mm-hmm. His story is to make us feel less than. But then there's the her story. And her story is divine, and it comes from the presence of God, and it helps us to be able to deal um, with the impact of trauma. One of the things that I tell churches, um, and I talk when I talk to individuals, is awareness is one of the best things that we could have is to be able to be aware and being aware of some of the trauma uh, impact effects. Um, is being aware of the impact that trauma has had on individuals. So some of the things that we want to be able to look for would be what we call childhood trauma, Um, Mm -hmm. being able to look at what we call risk factors. Um, And as therapists, um, when we start looking at cultural competent therapists, we want to look at what we call risk factors, and then we want to look at what we call protective factors. Mm -hmm. Risk factors, taking a look to see. So these are some things that leaders can take a look at. We know that there's a high propensity of trauma that happens when there's domestic violence in the home. Yeah. Um, one of the most, one of the one things that I feel like is the most unspoken um, in the in the house of faith is domestic violence. It mm-hmm. is real. It does happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that's not something that uh, you know that um, we just commit to prayer and leave alone. Um, but yet that is the remedy that we receive. Pray for your husband or pray for your wife, and God will uh, get that out of them. Um, We have to use some of the tools that God has given us. And God's given us some mighty tools. When we got to be able to recognize domestic violence is one, uh, substance abuse is another one. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another risk factor would be uh, checking out when there's abandonment issues or rejection. So if someone is separated from their parents at a young age we don't call it that um, mm-hmm. but that can create uh, a traumatic event 
especially for a young person, um, which causes that person to become clingy. Have you ever met clingy people that just clings to people once yeah. you, they get to know you? They cling and cling, and they're just mm-hmm. extremely clingy. That's from when we start looking at uh, kids that have been separated. So when you get attached to somebody, it's hard to let go because of the fear factor that you're going to reject them or abandon mm-hmm. them too. And then it translates into adults with us in relationships, and we cling on to things. And we cling on to people that mean us no no good, but because they're somebody that we've attached ourselves to. So all of that just you know can those are some things that we can look for. Uh, neglect. Mm-hmm. Um, those are what some of the things that we can actually look for. And some of the bigger things, if someone's coming back from war, um, you know mm-hmm. that's a, that can create a trauma. If you've had an accident, I have been in a fire. All of those things um, are some signs. And when we talk about trauma, we want to understand that we're talking about a powerful response. It's an emotional response to a distressing event. And what mm-hmm. happens is our mind itself overloads. It's our mind floods. It's almost like a drowning of the mind. Um, yeah. And the mind does, cannot catch up with itself as far as being able to think clear, being able to feel uh, normal or being able to, so there's an overwhelming, uh, distressing emotional response to an event or a set of events or some situations or some relationships. Yeah. So as leaders, just being able to be cognitive of that as we're dealing with individuals um, and letting them know that these are some of the signs. Those are some of what we call risk factors risk that factors. we should be aware of that we need to look for. Mm-hmm. You said the key word emotional because a lot of uh, Sometimes, I love how you did, did his story, her story. Different genders respond to dealing with the emotional part of And tra- mm-hmm. trauma <laughs> is about emotion. And so when um, people say you you should be over that by now or you shouldn't <laughs> let that bother you, how from from not only the spiritual perspective but also the the clinical respect perspective how can we teach mm-hmm. and i'm talking about leaders because lead, when when somebody comes who is dealing with trauma we're, we're seeking out uh help and support and guidance how can we train leaders not to res, to respond in that way and give them some tools well the the biggest thing like once we start to recognize What's mm-hmm. going on? Some of the things we can do is we can establish what we call some a supportive environment. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we know in within our village, um, there are uh, four parents that have gone through. Um, so being able to tell the story um, yeah. and collecting the stories of how we've overcome, like hearing the women tonight, the story. Mm-hmm of how we've overcome. Um, I think I heard one young lady talk about, I wrote a book about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I collected yeah. my story. And not only did yeah. I collect the story of what happened, I collected the healing. So I'm telling you how I made it over. And those are yeah. some of the things that we can hand down um, through our village is being able to have support, a supportive environment within the congregation, understanding yeah. that these things do take place. Not maybe, not perhaps. <laughs> they do. But these things, they do take place. Um, we do know that, you know, our families are, 
you know, higher in propensity abuse, and we know our families are in high propensity for domestic violence. We know that our families are in higher propensity of, of childhood neglect, even if it's one parent that's gone to jail or if it's in the neighborhood where there's drug dealing, if there's been drive-bys and, and shootings and murders within our neighborhoods and within our community. We know that that is truly um, um, some of the impact that our parishioners are dealing with and struggling with. So being able to already have a safe space for them to come in and to to talk and to share with others that have overcome and with others that can tell those stories. That's one of the ways that we can um, actually, as leaders, be able to um, help our prisoners to be able to to navigate through. Wonderful. Now, how can we get them over the stigma of getting professional therapy and counseling? And that's what I want to close with because – Yes, we can settle those supports, but some some situations require that extension. And uh goes back to what Elder Brenda said, sometimes we're not equipped to handle that, and we need to recognize that we're not equipped to handle that. How can we uh, get people to not stigmatize therapy and counseling? Because I know you've been you've been in persistent and consistent in this uh field for years and so I love it Uh, so how can we get people other people to not be stigmatized by that one of the things that we've been taught uh, and I I believe it comes from an early age is we've been taught uh, a terrible concept of shame and guilt they're twins they travel together Um, Mm. and so one of the ways that I feel that we can overcome is to be able to talk about the concept of trauma creating a, a shame or a, 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 a red letter across our chest yes. um, and us constantly feeling like we have to prove to others that we're okay when we're really not okay. You know, okay. I'm okay. How are you? I'm fine. No, <laughs> I'm not really fine, but I want you to think that I'm fine because I don't yes. want you to label me as not being fine because if you find out that I'm not fine, then shame on me. And there's the guilt and everything that I carry. And so one of the things that I, I like to encourage uh, when people come in to see us and to, to sit down in our chair, that this is a safe space, but yeah. this is an opportunity for us to come together and allow the Holy Spirit to enter into our conversation. Um, And the Holy Spirit enters in when there's a pure heart and when there's pure honesty and there's pure openness of our spirit. That opens us up for the Holy Spirit to come in and be able to, to what I call, bless us. Bless us. (laughs) So being able to understand that um, coming into the therapy room, it should be a safe space. And one of the things that I, I found, I was doing a little research as because I know uh, one of the things that you were um, talking to me about it when you sent me my questions was, how do you find or discover that safe place? So one of the things I ask is, first of all, are you with where you are? Do you want to get well? That's the question that Jesus asked. Do you want to get better? Do you want to get well? 
Um, and if you do want to get well, there are some things. There are some things that you can actually do. And some of the most powerful things that God has done in our lives that um, that has actually changed um, the trajectory of who we are is the power of the spoken word. Mm. Right? Yeah. God created the whole earth by the power of the spoken word. The Bible yes, he says oh, my he goodness. said. The Bible says he said, mm-hmm. he yes. said, let there be light, mm-hmm. and there was light. So there's power in words that are spoken. Yes. So one of the things that we can help yes. to rid the stigma is to understand that the spoken word is a powerful thing, and being able to have a safe space, one, to speak it, one, to have someone to hear, because we're images, right? So we mirror yep. back, we reflect back. All we can do as therapists is reflect back to you what you're saying to me. Um, mm-hmm. And you're now, when you speak it, you, you're you exhaling and allowing it to come out. And when, once you release it, now it's standing before me. And as it stands before me, I now am bringing it back to you in a safe way so that you can, um, we can reflect back to you what you need or how you need to move forward in that. That's all we're doing. We're reflecting. I'm hearing you. I'm reflecting back. And once it stands back on the outside and you're able to see it, now you can speak to it in a different way because you've now seen it in a whole new light. That's what happened when God spoke to the the earth. Uh, Earth, the Bible says, was dark. And, yeah. and it says, God, this great speaking spirit, this this great speaking spirit uh, stepped out of nothing into nothing into nothing. It was chaotic. And mm. he spoke it. And when he spoke it, when he released, let there be light, everything that was chaotic in the earth realm lined up to the spoken mm. word of God. So that's all we're doing in the therapy room. We're just speaking back to you. We're reflecting back to you. We're trying to make sure that that you're able to release what is in you and that you're putting it in a safe place so that what comes back to you is going to bless you. That's all that's all it's all about. So when we talk about that, being able to get the word out to others, letting them know that there's a safe space for yes. you to go. There's, there's a safe, safe space, space for you to yes. be. There's a safe space for you to let that go. And so that's what therapy does. It's, it, we create what we call safe spaces for individuals wow. to be able to receive their healing. Reverend Gray, that's why we love you in this Jesus. region and all over this world, because you bring the spirituality to humanity and make it so clear and uh, uncover some things. How can people... Get with Creative Spirits. What's your contact information, and how can they stay connected to you? So you can stay connected to us. I'm at Creative Spirits, www.creativespiritsonline.com. The name Creative Spirits, why? Because God created us, and he made us spiritual. He made us, our, our clay is the clay that houses the spirit of God that lives in us. And so we're spirit. We're, we're created spirit. And a lot of times we lose that concept um, because we allow what the, the enemy presents to us to distort the view that God has of us. And so when we uh, uh, eradicate his distorting 
power and his distorting ability, then we stand up and become the creative spirit that God has for us. And God knows once we become that, we start speaking into the earth what God has said, the earth will shape, change, rock, move, <laughs> transform mm. into everything that God would have it to be. So Ooh. I'm creative spirits. Creative spirits behave your health. Um, and so you can reach me at creative spirits online.com. Um, you can also reach me at Cassandra Gray um, on uh, Facebook. Uh, you can also re- re- uh, reach me on Twitter, Cassandra Gray on Twitter, Creative Spirits on Twitter. Um, you can also reach us at uh, LinkedIn, Cassandra Gray or Creative Spirits on LinkedIn. So all the social medias, were there, and we're there to help you to be able mm-hmm. to heal. Oh, my goodness. And she's going to be all over this city the next few months. Stay connected to her. She's going to be our opening speaker at the Yes, I Am Enough. The next level conference we'll be talking about in a couple of weeks. Uh, ladies, our, our show quickly came to an end, but I know people have been healed, delivered, and set free. Uh, give yes. us your contact information. And I'm pretty, I know, I know in my spirit we're going to have another part two of this conversation of next steps. So start with uh, Shonda. Hi there. Um, you can reach me at Restore, the number two, um, Restore to Fitness. Well, wait a minute. I'm tired. Everything has been so good, I'm overwhelmed. <laughs> www.RestoreTheNumberTwoFitness.Training um, is my website, or you can reach me at 817-726-2468. If you're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, go to Restore the Fitness so she can get your body fit and your mind together. Well, I'm changing uh, lives. Lady, We're changing change your lives. Life. Lady Gwendolyn, how can we stay in contact with you? You can reach me at Gwendolyn McCormick on Facebook. I'm on the social media site. Um, I'm also Brown Beauty 45 on Instagram. And you can also email me at brownbeauty45 at outlook.com. All right. Uh, Elder Brenda. Yes, ma'am. You can reach me um, on Facebook and Instagram, Brenda Richmond Davis. Um, And also, if anybody wants to uh, purchase my book, they want to. (laughs) (laughs) Taking off the mask, you can go to my website, um, authorbrd.bigcartel.com. Um, I, that link is also on my Facebook page as well. Or you can go to Matters of the Heart, 502.com, if you wanted to learn more about our, our natural skincare business. Uh, follow me, Brenda Richmond Davis, on Facebook and Instagram. Email me, Brenda Richmond uh, Davis at gmail.com. All right, listen. Awesome. Thank you, ladies, for your truth, your sharing. Uh, continue to be who you are Continue to uh, shine that light Of who you are where you, What God has brought you out of And encourage everything That if like pastor, our pastor said Sunday If I could just see one person In the victory yes. that I want Then I know I can make it Be that one person That people Amen. see in the victory That they want And so we're going to close out scripture and prayer. Elder Brent, I know you're going to, you're going to fire. I feel it over there that you got a prayer in you. But we're going to close out with Second Corinthians <laughs> 10 and 4. For though we live in the flesh, we do not wage war according to the flesh. 
The weapons of our warfare are not the weapons of the world. Instead, they are divine power to demolish strongholds. We tear down arguments and every presumption set against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. When we're obedient to Christ, we don't we don't want to live in shame. We don't want to live in sin. We want to live in yeah. truth because what does the word say? You shall know the truth, and the truth and will the set truth you free. Other than those pray us out of here so we can go yes. on and do what we need to do. Yes. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. You are so great. You are mighty. We worship you. We adore you. We are because you are. Hallelujah. We thank you, Abba Father, for everything that you are. We thank you for these women of God on this line today. We thank you for Tanya White, especially, hallelujah, for you giving her this strategy, this idea, this powerful um, uh, topic of discussion tonight. We thank you, God, that lives are changed. People are healed, delivered, and set free. And I thank you, God, that you said we overcome by the word of our testimony. Yes. But even with us, we have gone to another level. Another wow. chain has been broken, and we have crossed over to a higher level of healing and glory in you. God, I thank you that you give us beauty for ashes. You give us the oil of joy instead of mourning for every listener. Hallelujah. The garment of praise instead of the spirit of heaviness. And I thank you, God, that you are almighty and powerful, and you get all the glory for everything that has taken place on this line tonight. In the name of Jesus, continue healing everybody that was listening. Amen. Thank Amen. you, Amen. I love you, women of God. Listen, real talk love to Tanya you. White. Thank you so much. Thank we love you. you. I love you. Thank you. Thank you all. Listen, y'all tune in next week as we're going to talk about the business for women, how we can handle our business properly, prosperously, and with uh, people to help us. Listen, we're going to close out with Dorinda. Make me real, because when we're real with who we are, we can be real with other people and do what God has called us to do. Love you guys. you